Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. While Everett, Val, and Evangeline slept, Doris was roughly awoken. Tors, whom Doris recognized from Cleopatra's court, had come to take her to safety and protect her from the Ask Protocol, a kill switch of sorts which was to be activated if the New Haven experiment failed. As Doris is taken to Pritchard's peculiarities, what fate awaits the rest of the coterie? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Evangeline, a snake has disintegrated in your fist. Um, as we've talked about, you've dealt with uh, all manner of dumb wildlife on uh, in your broadcasting career. Um, but in addition to all of the things that I think you understand so far about the, the world of the kindred, uh, things like this, things like uh, the wards that you were dealing with, um, exploding wards, uh, flying people, um, the, uh, the the sort of enchantments you were under uh, while dealing with the Darza Lilith. All of this was like definitely like you didn't sign up for any of this, but also no. I think there was a a quarter of this that you kind of thought you could understand. Because I mean, one of the things I always love about um, particularly vampires, the system is like it's established that Dracula exists as like a book in the world of darkness, written by Bram Stoker about the kindred. And the kindred make jokes about it. Nosferatu is like a movie in the world. Of, like you're aware of what a vampire is. It's not like the walking dead where there are no zombies and you're just like, Oh no, what, what do you mean? I'm bit. This is probably fine. I'll be cool. Um, <laughs> but what no one really tells you about is, is all the other stuff. And particularly given your uh, kind of uh, introduction into the world of darkness and into the world of the kindred odds are you were mostly briefed on that and pretty much nothing else. So I feel like you're getting a lot of new shit. Like you already didn't like what you bought and now you're finding out there's a bunch of other features that you also didn't want that are also here. Um, what do you think you do? Um, you can hear a commotion outside. Um, Val has gone tearing off down the hall. Uh, you have this, this snake that, that is kind of rapidly disintegrating in your hands. Um, how do you react to this? Like, is it, uh, do you react as a deputy? Do you react as, uh, the person you were? Do you react as a kid? Or like, what's, what do you think? Where, where, what does Evangeline do? Um, I, I hate to say like Evangeline is, I mean, with a little bit of like sleep, her, her, like her physical shock has worn off, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's very, there's a bit of an emotional numbness to everything still. Um, just because it's just, it just all happened too fast and just too much. And like, there's too much to process from, you know, the previous day. Um, so I think what she really, she just really wants to get to her dog who is currently still at the vets. Yeah. And 
And that's it. So, so I mean, you know, she'll go out, walk out. I mean, just see, she has to get through the commotion to go anywhere. So she's going to go for that reason, but it's more just of a, I have to deal. I have to deal with this to get to where I want to be. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So, um, with uh, I assume you just like stow the snake. Like it, it disintegrates to a point. Uh, we talked about oh, kind of still, things burning um, through it, um, but eventually it starts to kind of uh, it's it's. Um, I would say like uh, what's left of it is kind of a dried out husk. Um, so there's still okay. some some snake there. Um, it's it seems to be dehydrating almost. Like mm-hmm. it's not so fragile that like if you you know, it's just going to like shatter, but it yeah. also is like, there's chunks of it missing. The golden um, nature of it has, has kind of faded mm-hmm. away. It's very kind of gray and dark, a bit of almost a jerky vibe to it. Like it's um, yeah. Um, Are there like any of those like large Ziploc bags? I'm thinking of what they like put like your clothes into that they've Absolutely. had to deal yeah, with yeah. while you've like been in whatever surgery or whatever stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think, yeah, like it's just like all this fucking stuff and um, <laughs> just get that and just stuff the snake and put it in her pocket. Okay, great. So I think what we'll say then is like, as it's starting to like foam and disintegrate, you toss it in, zip it shut. Um, and you probably like do that thing. Where you like pat the air out uh, yes, and it stops course. once there's not air. Uh, oh, in the sense that if if you continue to leave it exposed, it would continue to have gotten more and more brittle until it did shatter. Um, but uh, yeah, you see it kind of like it's it's because you ziplocked it. It's less dry than I just described. It's a little squingy, if you will. Mm. Like there's still a, a bit of uh, a bit of liquid, uh, which you know will be helpful for testing later. Um, but also that has nothing to do with your dog, and oh, your dog no. is the uh, the prime focus here. Um, so um, pocketing that. Um, you immediately step out into the hall, uh, and you, as Val did, uh, encounter, uh, the, the night nurse. Um, mm-hmm. well, I guess not night nurse, uh, sorry, Stella's, I keep thinking of her as a night nurse because she deals with you guys a lot, but ultimately <laughs> like she is the one responsible for, um, uh, the blood bank and, and for making sure it all, all runs right. correctly. Like there are administrators here, but like Stella's really the one who, make sure the place doesn't completely go off the rails. Um, and as Val also found her, she is uh, on the ground, foaming at the mouth, uh, tea mug broken, um, signs of, of fang marks, not like vampire fangs, but like snake fangs, snake fangs, if you will, uh, to use the internet uh, language of the net, um, <laughs> like of Johnny Lee Miller in Hackers. Um, yeah, you see some snake bites um, on her neck. Uh, and she seems to be in really bad shape. Whereas Val tripped oh. over her, acknowledged it, and like ran off. Um, you, as someone who is like leaving with a purpose, um, realize she's like this. Almost looks like an overdose. Like this is someone who is in bad, bad, bad shape. But your dog is still out there. You are at your wit's end, and honestly, this kind of isn't your problem. So, Evangeline. You are a, a character in transition. You are uh, a person dealing with a lot. Um, you think I'm going to leave a person to die? I'm not going to leave a person to die. I mean, they are just human. I'm human. I say to myself. Fair enough. 
Yeah, amazing. I love it. Uh, so you stop. Um, and um, what would you like to do? Do you want to kind of like try and assess the damage? Um, do you want to call for help? What's, what's is she like here? foaming at the mouth, like can't talk kind of thing? Um, because I would be, I think it would be like, I would, I would like crouch down and, and just say like, tell me what to do. Like, tell, like, what do you need? Um, so I'll say once you get closer, um, a good way to think of this is like, this is someone at the tail end of an overdose. So like, wow. uh, in the same way that you guys were, uh, clearly affected by the snakes and, and the attack, um, the, the red cell attack, uh, she was likely hit around at the same time as we learned mm-hmm. last episode in our cutaway, uh, to, uh, Doris's adventure. Um, the difference is she's not kindred. You guys are. So she likely got hit with the same dose you did of whatever mm-hmm. it was. But she's dealing with a mortal body. So once you get down there, it's like bloodshot eyes, like foam, but not like actively foaming or shuddering. She's still alive, but like on the way out, you get the sense. Okay. Um, Having no idea what to do, um, I'll run back into a room and like hit whatever button they hit when someone's coding. Amazing. Um, so you run because back if in. that doesn't do anything, then fuck it. Like uh, <laughs> fucked anyways. For sure, and I think uh, I, I like that. That's both like a very much a Laura sentiment and an Evangeline sentiment. Yeah. Um, but the good news is, My this is a functioning hospital. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But also, like as a player, I've also hit that point where I'm like, yeah. look, if this fucking choice doesn't yeah. solve it, then I guess I'm going to a funeral. Um, <laughs> but uh, happily for Evangeline, when you slap the button. Uh, sure enough, like alarm sirens start going off. Uh, you get the full code, like flatline thing, uh, because happily the hospital is still functional and whoever did this. Oh shit. Wow. Didn't. And I mean, you haven't left the room really other than the hallway. So you could fully believe that the whole hospital is like toast. Mm-hmm. Um, but happily the alarms start going off. Um, and, uh, at the very least, I think from that moment of frustration, it's like the world may be insane, but at least one fucking thing still works the way it should. Um, and also there's, I feel like a slight satisfaction to knowing like, yes, everything is kind of being torn away, but some systems are still in place and some things still work. Um, so you slap the button and immediately like lights go off, alarms start. Um, and, uh, you feel like there's maybe just maybe now, uh, some hope for Stella. Um, and, and I, I, I take out the plastic bag and just like shove it into some, the, the closest person's hand be like just like it was this i i'm guessing no one has arrived yet no one has arrived yet then <laughs> because uh back in the front lobby uh no. val you um <laughs> no <laughs> you've been hassling <laughs> hassling dear sweet orderlies <laughs> trying to get some answers yeah. uh when suddenly alarms start going off um Ooh. and uh immediately like medical staff are looking around the problem is um they're looking at you um and there's some general confusion about what's going on but as one of the highest authorities if not the highest authority just shy of the sheriff in this town um you get the sense the medical professionals aren't sure whether it's you or a medical code somewhere in the hospital that's going on. Um, you're still disoriented. You're still uh, kind of raging. Um, <laughs> yeah. With the alarms and I think the sudden shock of what's going on. Uh, also, like a messy success isn't like a full bestial anything. It's just mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. succeeded too hard. The problem with Val is like, 
the things she wants to succeed at are so single-minded and driven (laughs) (laughs) that when you want it, you really want it. Um, So I guess my question to you is, do you want to try and understand what's happening or are you still on the warpath to figure out who attacked and where the sheriff went? I think as there's another interruption and she has a moment to think, she would realize these people don't know anything and be more trying to figure out what is going on or answers in another way. If At first she was just so angry it was blinding to just hmm. yell at everybody. And now it's like, okay, we have to figure out what exactly is going on. And I think she probably would remember that the the nurse was also hurt. <laughs> that just wasn't a priority at that moment. Yeah. Can I get a composure and investigation from you, please? Then no. Yes. Oh boy. Which again, is I think just you reckoning with like all of these conflicting thoughts and yes. desires while also right. being full of, of rage try. and drive. Oh, I got two successes. Okay. Um, so yeah, you, you come down to earth a bit. Um, I think, uh, the one modification I want to make on that is like, I, I think you were fully aware that Stella was hurt. It was more like there's a distinct difference between I will avenge you and I can save you. And mm-hmm. I think you went with, I will avenge you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, Evangeline being, you know, one human to another human, uh, like I can save you. <laughs> I uh, object which, to those air quotes, which <laughs> if you're listening, there were big I put it quotes. in my voice though. I think <laughs> I you could hear it when I said you really could. Yeah, humans. He, just saying you didn't have to put the air quotes in physically. Excellent. Yeah. A lot. I like that you threw them in while saying physically. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. No, no, no. Uh, so Dell. Yeah. You, um, uh, you manage Val manages to to kind of uh, recognize what's going on, uh, kind of come down to earth a bit. Um, what do you uh, what do you do to kind of uh, help direct the chaos that's around you? Because like again, you can see, and I think I mean like I think all of us would be pretty aware of what like a massive like coding alarm in a hospital would mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can see people looking to you like, are you the problem? Can you direct us to the problem? What do you do? Yeah, she would realize since the front of the building looks normal, these people don't know what's going on, that obviously the biggest problem was in the room they were. Mm -hmm. So she would turn back around away from the light and everything as well because she can't go any further into that Mm -hmm. room. Mm -hmm. She would just turn back around and start stomping back up. Follow me. The sheriff is fucking missing something going and just stomp on. (laughs) Back up to the room, back through the hole in the wall that she made. There's like a, a hot second where everyone kind of looks to each other with like a, what do we do? Um, and then uh, one of the uh, the doctors, she just leans forward and she's like, honestly, at this point, I, I don't want to fuck with her. Do any of you? And they all kind of shake their heads. And she's like, all right, let's move the gurney. Let's go see what's up. Um, and then immediately it's just full ER, like just like full rushing down the hall, but like through the hole in the wall, um, following you as you stalk back in. Um, and then uh, Laura, as you'd established, um, you know, a bunch of people swarm in. They immediately find Stella. They go to her. Um, you shove the bag into someone's hands. Yeah. Um, with, with, a, with a kind of like, you need this, right? Right, this like her. Um, I mean, she's not really communicating terribly well, but it's mm-hmm. like you know, this universe's Jack Hanna told her about like using the snake for an antidote or something. <laughs> great, great, yeah. So you shove it into the hands of um, 
uh, we'll say the same doctor, uh, and she just kind of looks at it and she says, "What? What? What is? Is this? Is this a snake? Why did? What? What? No, I don't need this." And she just immediately throws it in a garbage can. Uh, uh, <laughs> Evangeline goes over and retrieves it and like takes it with her. Like, fine. She, I don't know. Right. useful for something i guess she doesn't I mean, know shit about like medicine whatever admittedly you're absolutely <laughs> correct but the doctor doesn't understand that the snake has anything to do with the patient so yeah. she just thought you were handing her a bag of gross <laughs> um, but also Evangeline isn't in any condition to be aware <laughs> fully understand that also there's like the nuance of like mortals are just used to kindred doing weird shit in new haven mm. all the time <laughs> and having to just Kind of take it at face value. Like, can you imagine like living in a town full of, like Malkavians and Nosferatu, and you're just like, yeah. this is fine. Uh, oh, you're you're <laughs> oh you're you're eating your own skin. Um, sure, sure, probably fine. You're yelling at that phone. Great, probably fine. It shouldn't have insulted your mother. Like, I think they're just like, great, that's her thing. Um, but also, I fully appreciate that Evangeline doesn't take it that way. She takes it as them just being idiots about it. Uh, yeah. I love it. So, yeah, um, you go back and retrieve uh, retrieve the snake, which is good because I feel like Val would have murdered you later if you'd thrown out, like, key evidence. <laughs> um, Val, um, you, you have a moment uh, to catch up with Evangeline. Is there anything you say to her or are you just kind of, like, directing the, the chaos or looking for clues about where the sheriff went? I, I think looking for clues... And she would stomp around a bit and then come back to Evangeline like, did you see anything? Do you remember anything? And I, I just hold up the snake. Like, I don't know. This is it. Dead snake. The f Val, you do remember the snake rolling across your back. Like you, you yeah, dealt with this. You've seen the snake before. It. She threw that snake. Surely did. <laughs> we remember throwing that snake, but not why it was there. Why the the fuck does a snake have to do with it? Where the fuck is Doris? And slowly you both look to the um, blood-stained uh, bed that uh, you remember Doris being asleep on, uh, but it is uh, clearly disheveled and uh, now distinctly lacking in one Doris. Um, speaking of <sighs> alarms and loud noises, uh, Everett, uh, you punch through the side of a helicopter, which... I mean, I may be no aviator. Uh, I'm no Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. But, um, you Speaking know, punch of Malkavians, I punch a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. And the helicopter says, oh, um, uh, I don't know much about flying helicopters, but I'm pretty sure putting a hole in one doesn't help. Um, and this is a bit of a weird, messy successy that I want to spend a hot second on before we go forward. I think this is born of your. So much shit went down in Montreal before you came to New Haven, um, and uh, the the Red Cell connection is bad. And honestly, anything related to Montreal here is bad. Um, you, Ridley, and Iris barely survived anything, and like Iris kind of communed with a demon, and Ridley is the scariest thing you've ever met. And if they barely got through, this town full of people that you've been entrusted with have so little chance that I think, honestly, it's just a combination of frustration, hunger, the beast, all of it, that in realizing that, you punch through. Again, want to be clear, you're not in a bestial state, just you're in a state of of horrific realization. Uh, and also, you said you punched a hole in the wall, and it was very funny, so that's just what we're doing. Mm -hmm. 
Greetings, children of the night. It is I, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. I used to host the blood and syrup, but now I spend all of my time in the Dum Dums and Dragons Patreon. Yes, for just the cost of one dollar, one, ah, ah, ah. You can join the Patreon, get into the Discord, and talk to other fans about everything that's happening in your favorite shows. Alternatively, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds. You can add names and locations to the shows, or at the $25 level, you can even create your own NPC of darkness, or light, or whatever various lighting solution you want. You create your character, and they appear in one of our shows, causing all forms of shenanigans, and your name ends up in the credits. It's a pretty sweet deal. In any case, join our Patreon of Darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, children of the night. Ah, ah, ah. Spooky. Everett, you, with this horrible realization watching, washing over you, and I think as a guy who's pretty done with conspiracies, just like one more fucking thing on the stack. Um, you've got like, uh, you know, the Lilith connection going on. You still got unsolved mysteries around, you know, like vamp and other shit. It's just too much. So fist flies out. Uh, you punch a hole and immediately um, all of the uh, red cell guys in the chopper jump into action. Um, the guy you've been talking to, uh, uh, just throws up his hands and he's like, whoa, whoa, hey, you got you got to calm down. You got to calm down. And to his right, um, the lady who'd been clearly like less comfortable with this whole situation, uh, as the helicopter begins to like list and spin a bit as as the, you know, stuff's being sucked out through the hole. It's not a huge hole, but it's enough to depressurize the cabin. Um, she just says, fuck this, sir. It's not worth it. Uh, and she draws her uh, pistol and aims it at you. What do you do? Uh, well, I think with putting my fist through the, uh, hull of a helicopter, I don't know if hull is the right word, but, um, I mean, I already established I'm no aviator like Leonardo DiCaprio in the film. Catch me if you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm no, uh, I'm no Calvin candy. Um, but, uh, this is a long ad for my performance in the Valentine heresy season two. Go check it out, folks. Um, but as soon as the helicopter starts like reacting to my my physical outburst, I think, as with every I think like bestial outburst, the regret that sets in almost immediately afterwards, uh, I think, is very real and very apparent. Um, and so I think um, Everett kind of uh, gaining control over his faculties once again. Uh, it knows that he's like no good in a knockdown drag out fight. So the hands come up and he tries to look as non-threatening as possible. As I think all he can do in the face of people drawing down on him. Great. Um, she pulls the trigger. Uh, the man who's trying to like the, the commander um, who is desperately trying to keep this whole thing from going uh, completely pear shaped um Coste, he uh he just has a moment of like no he's the asset and he throws his hand out as as she pulls the trigger and just fucking slaps the gun away um the bullet goes wide um but ever you have one of those moments of like i i think this 
in all of our adventures so far, I think this is probably the first time where the I'm putting up my hands and like I surrender gambit hasn't actually paid off. And I think there's, it's not like, um, I think a horrible realization or anything. It's just one of those moments where it's like, oh yeah, sometimes that the cost of that is getting shot in the head. Um, and, uh, it hasn't happened to me before (laughs) it has, but not for this reason. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Um, so, um, Costi knocks the, the gun away. Um, you hear just that, that like, even with, uh, the air, you know, howling out of the side of the, the thing, you're wearing your helmet still, everyone's got helmets on. Um, but you can still hear it. Uh, the gunshot is still deafening. Um, and you hear a shatter of glass. Um, and uh, looking forward into the cabin, uh, you can see that the back of the pilot's head has been blasted out. Um, and uh, his his brains, pieces of his face, and uh, other viscera uh, are now sprayed across oh, a broken no. cockpit canopy. Uh, the chopper was was tilting a bit. Uh, now all of those beautiful sound effects we hear in movies are going as just like altitude alarms, everything start going off. Um, the co-pilot um, rapidly starts like reaching across. Um, the woman with the gun um, just like snarls at Coste and is trying to bring it back around on you. Um, what do you do? I think I'm about to die. Mm -hmm. I think if I survive the crash, I'll be immolated as radioactive daylight just sets me ablaze. I think if I do nothing, I'll probably get shot and then die in the crash or die in the aftermath of the crash. And I think I haven't been this hungry in a very, very long time. So I think I'm just going to go out scratching that itch and I go I go for the woman who's trying to draw down on me again. Holy shit. All right, bud. Uh, I'm going to need a, I think we're going with probably strength and brawl, maybe dexterity and brawl, um, depending on how, how do you think you lunge at her? Like what's, what's the attack pattern here? Because we've, uh, it's, I, it's been... I don't think I've ever heard you describe trying to feed in these specific terms before. And I'm really curious about this because this really seems like a, well, fuck it. And I'm curious what Everett's oh, fuck it moment looks like because I've definitely seen some other characters. <laughs> um, is well, this is this tactical enough or is it like full yeah, instinct? The helmet has to come off. So there's one hand drawing the helmet off of my own head. And the other hand, I think, has to help manage the weapon that she's trying to pull at me so she's being partly restrained by uh costa i believe rodolf costa is the uh costa. the commander on uh on the mission he basically he did like a, a a jackie chan or john wick where he just like palmed it away so he didn't restrain her just gun came over and he literally just like slapped the side of the gun in her hand to send it wide which is unfortunately why the pilot got shot because like if he had control of her hand or the gun, he could have done something. But instead, it was just a like you okay. know, from hands up, like hey, 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 just calm down. To knocking someone's almost reflex slapping it is easy, but it means she is unrestrained. She is swinging it back around. Um, so no, you're you're. It's literally you versus her. There's no other person kind of involved. There's no other he, external factors other than a crashing helicopter. 
Uh, crashing helicopter, air being sucked to the side. Coste is there, but I think the moment of slapping the gun away and watching the bullet go, like everything just went to shit. So he's he is clearly kind of a little bit shell shocked. But for you, it doesn't matter because you've just decided to eat no matter what goes down. So it's just basically like you and her in a helicopter that's beginning to list and spin. Yeah. So in one hand to take the helmet off, the other hand to manage her her weapon. And then I close the distance. And after I've taken the helmet off, that free hand is going to try and steady her. If she's wearing a helmet or something like that. Yeah. Um, I use that to kind of like jerk her head uh, to to free up the neck. Understood. Okay. So with that in mind. <laughs> I'm losing uh, my shit here. I love yeah. This. And Dell apparently like very much approves. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm like two this. different. Yeah. places on the spectrum yeah, somewhere ridley is rock hard and doesn't understand why he's just like um all right so tyler for this then i'm gonna need um because i want to deal with this first action of like getting into position to eat and then we'll deal with the eating so let's go with um dexterity please and uh I'd give you either melee or brawl. You're not directly attacking her, but I also don't really think there's another thing here that applies as well to the idea of like, again, just that, that like, you know, Aikido maneuver of like helmet gun face. Yep. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take the brawl. Cause I get one point when I'm brawling with kindred, which I think <laughs> yeah. applies here. So I'm rolling three <laughs> dice, all of which are hunger dice. Let's see what happens. Oh, good God. I don't know if I even have enough to get, like, I don't know if, if even like three successes would do it. Uh, it's one success. Hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So I, I rolled her counter roll and it's also bad. <laughs> um, I'll give you the helmet or the gun. Which one do you take? In terms of like things you can you can control, the gun, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you're now locked in. Um, uh, basically, like you've got, so you can't get. You trying to wrench the helmet, and like she's got a chin strap, so just like it, it pulls, and you hear just like, "Ow, fuck!" Um, as uh, as you crank it back, and I think you do it a few times. It's one of those things where like you had a clear idea in your head of what this could be, um, so you crank it at that. Um, you're controlling the gun. So the gun is away from you. Uh, she's still cranking the trigger. Um, she hits the co-pilot in the shoulder. Um, you hear Coste, Whoops. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. The, the cockpit window was gone. Like the whole, like the chopper is going down. Um, but like you hear sparks blast. Um, you just hear, hear Costa yelling, fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, as he kind of moves in. Um, the other red cell uh, operative is just like, pressed against the side of the chopper um you're actually kind of shocked that over your and this adds like an un, like a really unfortunate for you i think underpinning to all this it's like this is all chaotic and horrible enough um but they're just like they're speaking latin prayers over and over and over and over again and you realize that like for some kindred you know religion just still kind of hangs out uh and obviously with antediluvians and everything else it's kind of hard to get away from it uh, but it just means you're getting an exhausting litany of like essentially someone counting prayer beads and just mm. or a rosary and just like running through stuff that'll make them feel better, um, which is just coming through your ear mic as they mutter it while like clutching the side of the ship. Um, now the hole is tearing wider, um, and uh, you know the uh, the door starts to like just kind of creak and break, um, and it's kind of not 
flapping because it's not a fucking you know it's a sliding door obviously because it's a helicopter um yeah. but it's starting to creak on its on its hinges sliding back and forth almost like a train door um okay. on a on an incline um and you're now locked in in uh sort of a a melee grappling match uh with uh with this this female combatant um uh agent laurent uh is her name so you and laurent are like like gun you're going for her head you're cranking the helmet she's firing um she's going to uh attempt a uh fuck this is such a bad position to try and fight someone from um i think she's gonna like let's do a a round to see if she can break out of your grapple i mean she's got to be better at hand-to-hand than i am i am i'm i'm pretty fragile i mean i'm betting i'm betting she does this which yeah Good for here's, her. Here's the problem. Uh, she's part of like a mercenary company that has guns. So the odds of her being great at hand-to-hand as a kindred with a gun are actually not high. Okay. <laughs> Plus she's sitting down in a helicopter that's spinning. So let's see. Um, all right. So Tyler, from you, uh, I'm going to need, this is going to be an opposed role. Uh, you against her locked in this combat. Um, strength and brawl, I think. Unless... Okay. I'll let you make a case for dexterity, but you got to tell me what you're trying to do with it. It's the same stat from between strength and dex. Which one would you prefer? Is strength is, at this point, maybe dex to, to initiate this grapple, but strength now to like hold it and maintain it and overpower her. Yeah. 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 I like that. Sure. Great. Let's dance. <sighs> Two successes for me. Okay. Um, you hear Kosta just yelling, stand down, Lauren, stand down, as the chopper begins to fully uh, rotate. Uh, you have a brief uh, inception moment as uh, kind of like uh, everyone in, in the, the cabin begins to kind of fold, except the guy who's clutching. And you can see him like denting the metal um, as he, he kind of like, uh, you know, speaks his prayers. Um, you're briefly um, uh, weightless. However, I ruled so tremendously badly for Laurent um, <laughs> that you crank the helmet off of her and sink your teeth into her throat. Um, at which point, Costa uh, just yells, fuck it! And he boots the two of you as hard as he can. And you feel a crunch of metal behind your back uh, with your teeth drawing uh, the Vitae out of uh, Agent Laurent, uh, the two of you spiral out of the chopper into free fall. Uh, and as the two of you spiral and spin, um, Everett, you can barely see because the, the enraptured feeling of, of freely draining another kindred is just such a fucking delight. You've been so hungry for so long. And no one is going to be able to see what you're doing. No one will witness this shame. And you can finally just feed the beast. Uh, You see beneath you a sea of green trees. Um, You see mountains. And you see several other helicopters as you and your prey plummet to Earth. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Lori Elizabeth at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. 
This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and our show log was created by Decapitated Markers, at Decapitated Marker on Twitter, that's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis, and Traffic by Kai Engel, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Lord Abradovic, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Roman Brown, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.